This is the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel, and it's episode number 22. Welcome to the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel. We're all about highlighting self-help, positive psychology, and books on well-being. We share the content and actionable advice so you can make normal life extraordinary. We are a community of lifelong learners, high achievers, and busy people. Get ready for your download so you can live life happy. I'm your host and addicted to reading, Andrea Seidel. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling smarter, I'm feeling faster, and I'm feeling better. (laughs) I am transforming the power of real productivity. So, okay, you know, you're kind of tapping into my idea of what this book is that I highlighted today. It's an awesome book, and it's by Charles Duhigg, and it's called Smarter, Faster, Better, The Transformative Power of Real Productivity. This book is so transformative, and there's so many fantastic tips in it, and I'm so excited to highlight it for you today. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. My name's Andrea, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is where I highlight books on self-help, positive psychology and well-being, and I highlight it and try to do it in about 15 minutes or less. So I suck out all these actionable nuggets that you can apply to your life instantly and make a difference, hopefully. So yes, but I always recommend that if something sparks your interest or you want to delve in a little deeper to buy the book and support these authors that put so much work into their books. So okay, let's jump into the book today, Smarter, Faster, Better, The Transformative Power of Real Productivity by Charles Duhigg, and he's also the author of The Power of Habit. Now, I've already read The Power of Habit. It's so great. So what I will do is highlight that one as well in the future for you on a future episode. Okay. So he's the, like I said, he's the author of The Power of Habit. He likes to combine cutting edge productivity research and also neuroscience and how we learn into all his books. So it's really, really great because he uses kind of the eight concepts or concepts around expanding productivity. And that includes innovation, motivation, mental models, and uh, also the correct way to set goals. Um, Actually, I wasn't setting goals effectively until I read his book. And so you're going to learn these tools and tips that he gives us so that we can be smarter, faster, and better and really productive. So his book is all about exploring the habits and the routines that can put us into real productivity mode and get us closer to our our goals. So Smarter, Faster, Better, this book is based on the science of productivity, which I love. I love when um, books are backed by science. And the other thing that he adds in this book is he he adds so many stories. So you really, really understand the concepts that he's talking about. And uh, so I do, if anything, recommend purchasing the book and, and delving into the stories. So he talks about productivity, meaning different things to different people. But ultimately, it's it's the name that we give when we're attempting to figure out the best use of our energy, our intellect, and our time. So it's the most meaningful rewards that we get for the least amount of effort. So I don't know about you, but I feel really productive when I get things done, when I am using my time wisely and I'm able to apply and have energy put in. And I love actually setting timers. This one works for me. I set a timer and I make a little experiment and I say, okay, for the next 
30 minutes, I'm going to go hard with this. And it's amazing how I really am focused. I'm able to um, devote my intellect and my time and my energy into this one area. I always feel so much more productive after. So anyway, we'll delve in a little bit more into all his wonderful tips and suggestions. So he talked about motivation. So one, the first part in his book, he talked all about motivation and what motivates us. And research shows that people, when they believe that they are in control, they have a tendency to work harder and push themselves more. So uh, so true. Like just think about a time when you're in control of a situation, you're in control of a project. You have a tendency in his book and his research, he's talking about that we'll work harder and we'll push ourselves harder. So it's that idea of feeling in control. And um, one of the best ways to feel like you're in control is to be making decisions. So that is one way to prove that we have self-efficacy and that we're in control is to feel like we're making decisions. So that's huge, especially if you run teams, you want your team members to feel like they're ultimately making decisions and that'll fuel their motivation and making them faster, smarter, and better and really productive. So self-efficacy or feeling like you're in control enhances this self-efficacy and motivation. So motivation is triggered, therefore, by making choices that demonstrate to ourselves that we are in control. I love that. That's so cool. So you know what? Now I'm going to use that and apply it to my kids probably and just have them feel more like they're in charge. Like, do you want to clean your room or do you want to put all your books away? (laughs) Okay, okay. Anyway, so motivation is definitely uh, enhanced by that feeling of control and feeling of control comes from making decisions and choices. All right, so the other thing he talked about um, that if you can link a choice, a hard choice to something that you care about, it'll also make you more motivated. So it makes the task easier. So when you feel like what you're making a choice about is actually meaningful and it's a meaningful decision, um, you will have more self-motivation. So I, what comes up for me in that one is is the the doing this or what is it? You know, if you're doing an activity and you're making a choice whether you know what you're going to do, uh, the, he's also saying what helps with motivation is to also attach this why, the reasons why you're doing it. And uh, and meaningful decisions fuel um, productivity. So uh, so that is one of the tips. So he has tips for motivation. He His tips are this, increase your locus of control. So the feeling of being in control. One of the best ways to feel like you're more in control is to be um, make choices. Also prove to yourself that choices are meaningful. So attach the meaning to what choices you're making. Um, so connect to small tasks. Oh, so, oh, this is a good one. So he talks about connecting small tasks into the bigger picture. So for example, um, if you wanted to complete a book, uh, obviously breaking it down to the small tasks that are involved with doing that book, like coming up with a structure, the framework, or how you're going to impact people, um, and then connecting to those reasons why will severely help motivation. Um, I don't know why I use the word severely. It sounded negative there, but anyway, it'll extremely help your motivation. That sounds better. So make a choice that's meaningful and the decision and, and no know the reasons why that you're making that decision and that'll help self-motivation to emerge. Um, He also talked about 
why? So, for example, he talked about one of his examples was why am I forcing myself to run up this hill? So you can see if you're just like running up the hill and you don't really have any reasons attached to it as to why, but it's one of your to-do lists, um, the motivation won't really be there. And um, also, if you're told to run up the hill versus making the choice to run up the hill, you can see how it changes the energy. Um, so knowing why it is. So for example, let's use the run up the hill thing. So say my choice was I could, you know, go to a boot camp class or I could run up the hill five times. Okay. For me, I would rather run up the hill five times than go to a boot camp class. So just by making that choice, it'll motivate me more to do it. The other thing is if I know why I want to run up the hill, well, I want to shed five pounds or I want to increase my cardiovascular system and make myself stronger, my heart stronger. And why do I want to do that? So I can play with my kids and not get winded. And why is that important? Because I love my kids and I want to be a good role model for them. You can see where it's going, right? All right. So he's, he's all about connecting to the motivation by increasing your choices, making decisions, enhance that feeling of feeling like you're in control and tapping into the reasons why adding meaning to it will help you with motivation, which in turn makes you faster, smarter, and better. Better. Okay, so he also talked about teams and team dynamics. And any group over time develops kind of group norms, or he calls it collective norms. And um, it's all norms about what is appropriate behavior within teams. So he was talking about with teams, it's really important um, to understand that you do have to give up some degree of control. However, if you formulate a team and you're giving up some degree of control, it's really important for motivation and productivity to feel like you are you can trust your teammates that you're you're listened to well that you're supported and that everyone would have your back or this sense of inclusion so when it comes to teams in order to make more productive smarter faster uh, better people in within this team is to create this um, kind of tribe-like collective norm that is of appropriate behavior. And that comes from the team leaders usually. So strong teams are encouraged to have open communication, to admit their mistakes, to, um, to work together and, um, to just, you know, show enthusiasm and loyalty to the other team members. So science, they call it psychological safety. And this psychological safety makes you feel like, um, when you're part of this team and you're part of this member that they have your back, it's a safe place to take risk and to fail and to fail well and to learn from the, the failure and everyone will have your back and that you're not embarrassed or punished or rejected from the team if you have, uh, it's more about inclusion. So he talked about um, that expression, you know, the expression, there's no I in team. <laughs> and he actually referred to it as there is a bunch of eyes, every single one together. You take everyone individually, but then everyone works collectively as a team and they have the collective norms and they have this psychological safety actually makes um, people more effective and more productive when they feel this sense of psychological safety. So I thought that was so interesting and so powerful. The next thing he talked about was focus. And oh my gosh, sometimes it's so hard to get focused. I don't know about you, but I'm always like, you know, okay, this and then this and like, oh, that caught my attention. And, you know, so it's, it's amazing that focus is actually quite hard. And when I'm coaching my clients, it's funny because this is one subject that comes up. It's really hard to stay focused. So he 
talked about focus. Um, of course, it's one of the elements of real productivity. So he was bringing up all the science and all the ideas of automation is basically in every aspect of our lives. And so automation becomes, it's a good thing. However, it becomes a risk because our attention spans tend to fail when we expect automation to be there. So um, what happens is, is automation is meant to be a good thing. You don't put things on automation, but when we go into automatic pilot, we're really not focusing on things and um, we're not really um, paying attention, so to speak. So this is referred to as cognitive tunneling and only focusing on certain things and or with um what happens is is that we aren't really challenged to be focused because we have so many things that are on automatic pilot. So he he's saying in his book that the key is to force yourself to think and to force yourself to be in the moment and noticing what it is that you're thinking about, what you're putting your attention on. So um, our attention span is guided by our intention. So he was saying basically that we choose to focus on whatever we're putting the spotlight on. Um, So the spotlight can be like kind of strong, like a high powered spotlight, um, or it can be a little more laid back or relaxed and it's kind of dim. So automation kind of dims that spotlight. And then he's talking about cognitive tunneling is where it's too narrow and it's too focused that we're missing so many other things around it. So what he's suggesting within his book is to kind of dim that channel like spotlight, but not so much that we're missing, um, missing so much. And so we'll be able to get better focus. So his tips for focus is to get into the habit of narrating your life. I love this one. This is so good because it actually does make you realize what's going on around you. I mean, I can like go, I can be on the phone and not even notice. I'll be on the phone and I'll be walking my dogs before I know it which is great because I get my walk in. I've walked up seven kilometers and back and then I realized, oh my gosh, I just went for a walk and I didn't even notice anything about the walk. So the idea is to kind of narrate your life as it's occurring. So I'm walking the dogs right now. I'm noticing their little paws on the floor. I'm noticing their fur blow in the wind. (laughs) You get the picture. So the idea is to kind of narrate your life as it's occurring. And this will help control where you're putting your attention and your focus and where your attention is going. So um, he's suggesting to build mental models that put you in charge of what you're focusing on. Don't let the world decide what you see and what you're focusing on. Allow yourself to be in control of what it is that you're focusing on. Force yourself to kind of, oh, that's the other tip that he had, to force yourself to envision your day while you're driving the car too. Don't go in automatic pilot. Kind of work through your day. Use that time wisely as you're driving to work. Um, He also said to talk to yourself about what you're seeing. Um, When you're talking to other people, really hear them. Um, The other tip he said was to anticipate what someone might say next and then notice the gap and notice if that's not what I thought they were going to say. This is what I thought they're going to say. Then you could say, have you considered this? (laughs) So it's kind of really being aware and decide what deserves your attention. There's so many distractions with social media, with articles here, there, everywhere, uh, suggestions, so many books, right? So you want to decide where you're focusing your attention. 
Okay, next he talks about goal setting. This one's huge. Okay, so goal setting, I know you've probably heard um, about the SMART goals, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. So as humans, we crave closure. In science, it's called cognitive closure. So in his book, he's talking about um, making a decision and sticking with it and then moving on to the next thing feels productive as humans and we crave it and um, we crave this cognitive closure. So um, what happens is though that there is sometimes a too high need for closure and it actually has a downside. So what happens is is that sometimes we have an instinct um, for closure that we take on too many things and we have this instinct that we want to, uh, we crave this, you know, start something and finish it. But then what happens is we start so many things that we're not really getting that closure. And that's where um, it gets, you know, I'm sure you've had that where you feel a little overwhelmed and you have a whole bunch of things open and you don't have that closure. So this instinct for closure has um, multiple components to it. So he talked about um, the need to seize and commit to projects or goals. That's one element. But then we also have this urge to freeze and debate or question what it is or second guess what it is that we're doing. So you can see there's two parts to this, uh, this, um, closure, this instinct for closure. So we either seize cause that closes it, right? Cause we're not pursuing it anymore. We're kind of overwhelmed or there's this, um, this need to seize and commit and keep going, uh, and complete this task. So what he's suggesting is, is that The most effective way for us to set goals and reach them without getting that freeze and or without... without like not meeting all those goals or opening up a whole bunch of goals and not really seeing them to completion is he talked about what's called stretch goals. So this is the idea that you dream really big and you stretch yourself and that these goals are really audacious, but then he's talking about they're still within the realm of possibility. Then he's suggesting that we break down those stretch goals into smart components. So what are those or those concrete steps. Um, So the SMART components, remember, are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and you put them on a timeline. So the acronym is SMART. So very being very specific, you can measure it, it's achievable, and by when, and realistic, and then you put it on the timeline as well. So academic studies show that the stretch goals allow you to... um, to envision what's possible, but then you also need to bring it back to something that's a little more specific and realistic. And so what he's suggesting, because a lot of people put their stretch goals and then they they have so many to-do lists and so many things with under it that you get that, that piece of um, where you freeze and you feel... Um, overwhelmed and you second guess and you have debate questions. So the idea is, is that you have your stretch goal. And then he's saying with underneath that, you come up with a sub goal or many sub goals, and then you create those concrete steps that fall in line with the smart, specific, measurable, achievable, uh, realistic in time, put it on the timeline. And that's powerful, right? Because I don't know, sometimes it's daunting. We have this stretch goal and then we're trying to think, oh my 
God, what are all the things I need to do to reach that goal? But there's, he's saying to add another step to it so that we can have that sense of closure. So you can feel that sense of many concrete steps are being met and that you're getting there, that you're getting there, that you're getting there. Okay. So tips for goal setting from him is to write down your stretch goal and then a specific sub goal underneath that, and then apply the smart goal setting technique to it, and then list all the small tasks that are needed to meet that stretch goal, and then put it against your timeline, and then change your to-do list to tasks that match up with your stretch goal. So that's important. So he's actually not, he says to do your to-do list very differently, is to match your to-do list up to your stretch goal. Is that going to reach one of my goals or Is that one of the steps towards my stretch goal? Anyway, I loved that. I love the idea and the concept of this stretch goal. And the final thing he talked about was absorbing data. And this is huge. We're so uh, bombarded by so many like information and information embedded in our daily lives, like it's skyrocketed. It's everywhere and uh, it can be overwhelming. Um, but we, the, it's amazing because what he's saying in the book, we have not increased our ability to absorb all this information. So the amount of information has increased, but our ability to absorb it has not increased. In fact, it has created what's called information blindness. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I get so many emails in my email box. I literally have to just like screen through them and delete, delete, um, or else I feel overwhelmed. So his suggestion and the best way studies have shown to absorb data is to use, um, this idea of transforming the information that you're receiving. So what life throws at you, he's suggesting to manipulate the information in some way. And he's suggesting to use the information or take action on the information in some way. And it has a huge impact and it's more absorbable into our being. So the tips to absorb data from him then is to do something with the data right away, is to look at every choice as an experiment. So kind of looking at the data taking it in, experiment with it. I wonder, hmm, I wonder how that would apply to my life. Or, hmm, I wonder if I apply this stretch goal mentality that it'll help my productivity. Or, you know, like look at everything as an experiment or a choice and um, make sense of the data that's around you. So kind of like with this podcast, it's all about taking what these authors have worked so hard to research and bring forth for us and kind of taking that, those actionable nuggets or those little things um, that can be applied to our life right away. And then the learning really happens there. I always say all these books can sit on the shelf, but really uh, it's our application of the concepts and the ideas and, you know, whatever resonates with us at certain times in our life. So that's it. Oh my gosh, what a fantastic book. I hope that you feel like some of these are helping you to, to be, you know, really productive. And it's all about that idea of what brings motivation. How can we be more focused? Um, he also talked in his book too about decision making and uh, goal setting and just being kind of focused and creative and how to absorb data and how to handle that concept and idea of data. So, oh wow. So definitely a great book on productivity. Uh, And please, 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 if you'd like, write me a review. If this was beneficial for you, please share with friends. It really helps grow the show and makes it better for you. It serves my reading addiction. I love to read and I love to help you transform all that knowledge into your life. So thank you again, everybody, and have a beautiful day. 
If you like this podcast that's like personal training for your mind, you've got to come over to my website at andreasadel.com where I take all these books, I highlight, coach, and summarize the content in my unconventional book and coaching club. Let's face it, no one is sunshine and butterflies all the time, but we can make happiness a lifestyle. So I want to invite you to sign up at my website for my freebies and giveaways so that you can start each week positively. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to, download and write a review because they really help grow the show.